Welcome back to Big Mama Hex. Today I'm sitting down virtually with one of my professors from Clifton University, Dr. Marilyn Stewart. And she was my professor when I went when I entered Kutztown as an um, as a master's student in art education, and she was the first point of contact for me. And I am forever indebted to her for for her compassion and her kindness and her openness wow. to helping me along my path that I needed to be on. And she really was the first person to um, walk with me on that path and. When I felt afraid, she would hold my hand and we got through it together. And thank you, Marilyn, for being here and for all of your efforts to support me and my journey. Thank you, Rachel. I'm happy to be here. That's how we got to know each other. And and then Marilyn and I, I feel like we, we're kindred spirits. We just really, our personalities were very um, complimentary and we had a very nice initial conversation and initial first class. And she was very kind and helped work with me because I had a young family. Um, with some of the classes that I was taking, which I really appreciated the flexibility at Kutztown. My whole time at Kutztown, there was so much flexibility given. Um, so I really um, appreciate that from the school, especially when you're doing a master's program and you have other things going on. So that was really great. Um, and you gave me so much room to grow, um, support and patience. Again, when I was finding my path, which was right after I finished at Tyler, I was on this very clear path that there was like no distractions that I was going to find my way into Pennsylvania Dutch culture and figure out where I fit in, do I fit in, and how can I fit in as a modern woman who was raised um, as a very strong independent woman, um, a feminist, I identify as, I came from a punk, punk rock background. I'm an art teacher, but I had left my job at Philadelphia and I was trying to navigate my way um, in this new community in Berks County, which uh, Marilyn also lives in Berks County. And it was, it was um, a culture shock for me. So I was really glad to be in grad school at the same time and be able to have people in the community like yourself that knew the area and could kind of help me out with my navigation of the whole entire thing. <laughs> um, so Marilyn, I did want to ask you um, to talk a little bit about your work as an art educator and, and the work that you've done um, specifically with curriculum, because you have a lot of really amazing contributions that you've made to curriculum in art education, the kind of curriculum shifts that you've helped to um, make. And, and I'm sure that I have reaped the benefits as a student of art education from your shifts that you've helped kind of well, um, could be. pivot. I, I just have to, I have to also go back and say, you know, when you, you say that I was open and here, you I mean, you can't, you need to understand that. I, I, I think I recognize in you, myself <laughs> because yes. I too was a single mom who went back to school and um you know did all this you know did my graduate work as a as a as a as I say as a single mom and trying to you know deal with kids getting sick and trying to get to classes yes. and PA at, at Ohio State at the time and you know trying to I had to teach my class. I'm running in, you know, <laughs> we, we, we had an exercise where we, we try to do art criticism by pulling things out of my purse to, you know, the idea of a purse would, you know, you could tell a lot, you know, by just like yes. in somebody's purse you know, and I'm pulling out you know, pacifiers, and, you know, <laughs> that's really fun. You know, and, you know, so anyway, I, I, I certainly understand that. And, um, and 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 I think I saw a little bit of, of myself when you appeared at my door, and we and I was remembering when I appeared at various doors in my own mm. little, uh, journey through grad school. The other thing too is that I also understand 
the importance of, of finding someone who is a, a kind of a, a mentor figure who, yeah, who sees something and trusts that, you know, uh, this is a person I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk with, and I'm not yeah. not that I ever thought that about you. There wasn't a risk, <laughs> but I, somebody did take a risk with me because I'd never taught a, a day in my life, and I um, uh, I first got into teaching because my um, husband at the time went to Vietnam, and um, <laughs> I I needed a job, and I was yeah. in Cincinnati with my you know my went back with my family after when he left, and. Um, Anyway, I needed to find a job, and uh, somebody said, "Why don't you try teaching?" And I went, "Oh my God, no! I could never do that." You know? <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, one thing led to another, and I ended up with this teaching, um, a as a classroom teacher teaching uh, fifth grade at St. Michael's School in in Sharonville, Ohio, in this little tiny place. I had gone to Catholic schools my whole life, anyway, and. Um, so I, I I knew that scene, um, and but there was a, a the principal there uh, was a sister Denise. What she she got my name from another school district where that had hired me, but then the person who was leaving wasn't decided not to leave, so I didn't have that job. And she called around, and she got my name, and so she called me, and I said, "You don't want to talk to me. I am not. You know, I don't know anything about teaching." And she said, "Oh no, no, come talk to me." And then she told me that when she saw me drive up and on and park my car on the on the playground. It was a little Volkswagen bug and get out of the car in this bright lime green coat. She saw me <laughs> from the window and decided that she, that at that moment she was going to hire me. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, so she became the, the, the mentor that I needed, you know, the person who I could, you know, could trust and go in and, and be excited about what I was learning. And, um, and I think that that really set the, the, just the path that I've always been on in terms of education same thing, because I'm always excited about what I'm, I'm learning and I'm always excited when other people are yeah. finding their way as well. So yeah, in terms of curriculum. Yeah. So th that was, you know, so that I was an art major and had dropped out of school to get married. And, you know, so, you know, I, I thought maybe I get a job job designing greeting cards or something, you know, Yeah, <laughs> I could find that. And so that's when people said, try teaching. And, but what happened was I absolutely fell in love with teaching and, um, mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe those, those kids. And I loved every minute of it. And I loved the faculty and this being in this little tiny parish and teaching in this little tiny school <laughs> with, with the, the parents and, you know, the, the little community it was just wonderful. But anyway, so uh -huh. that turned me on to, to education. And then, um, I went to another, I went to Columbus. Then when my ex-husband ex now I went, uh, came back from Vietnam, then I went to Columbus, Ohio, where I had lived as a student at Ohio State, but also um, <clears throat> I got another job teaching there and at a, another St. Michael's school, very different kind of experience. But the, but the point was, as I finished getting my, I, I just then I, as I said, I was in love with education knew that I wanted to be an art educator and then immediately got involved doing curriculum, like, cause I'm also sort of, Hey, what's going on here? We need to fix this. You know? Yes. You know, so yeah. I found out that I went to these uh, uh, meetings for all the, the teachers um, in the, in the diocese of Columbus. And I said, well, where's the art curriculum? And you know, mm -hmm. what, what are people doing in terms of art? And they said, we don't have any. <laughs> you know? And so anyway, within a couple of years, I was, you know, heading up this big committee and making curriculum for the diocese and working with the people at the State Department and so on. So I just got excited about um, 
I, you know, I, I wanted to see consistency. I wanted to, I wanted mm-hmm. there to take people, I wanted the, the schools to take art seriously and, um, yeah. and, and, and value art education. And so I knew that the way to do that was to, you know, at least get people on board with, okay, let's even think about what we are teaching and what's important to teach here. And let's get on board and try to provide resources for teachers in the, in the diocese. And so that, that was like my first leadership position in curriculum and my first, um, really, we created a curriculum um, with cards and very creative and used um, art, the only art reproductions that were available at the time because the uh, companies, publishers weren't making art reproductions available. And so this was the, this one company that made these large posters. And so we had the, we actually got the diocese to buy every school sets of these reproductions. And then we came up with, um, I had a little committee. <laughs> Three of them were nuns. <laughs> Two of them were, <laughs> you know, mothers, uh, uh, teachers who were also uh, mothers who had, you know, like six and seven kids, you know, and yet they made time for this little group that we had. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it, that was another. I think that set the scene for the, my love of collaboration as well. So you mm-hmm. know, so my work in curriculum has always been about. You know what's going on. What do we need? What? But how do we? How are we going to get people to value what we do here? Um, what do the kids need? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then um, who? Who? Who's available to work on this with me? <laughs> Let's do it together. <laughs> you know? And so, um, so that that work has led me. You know, that was the first thing I did, and then I followed that after I got out of. Um, uh, at a, my, did my master's at, at Ohio State and then did my doctorate at, in another department. Though I, I didn't do it in art education, I did it in philosophy of education. So I kind of oh, wow. left the curriculum. You know, I was still thinking about curriculum, but I was thinking about it from a broader perspective. You know, and yeah. then came back. Then I came to Kutztown because I wanted to be here where there were some really dynamic things happening. I mean, there were some really, you know, this I didn't know it at the time, but you know, Kutztown has. It's the oldest art education program in the nation. It's uh, mm-hmm. the people I wanted to work with were um, presenting at national conferences. And, and I, as a master's student, went to my first national conference and saw them there and saw the materials they were doing. And they were engaging everybody in very active um, inquiry-based um, activities where they were, um, it was just so lively and and yet, you know, meaningful and substantive. It was It wasn't just play. It was you know, serious play and really, yes. you know, aiming towards a total understanding and appreciation of, of the arts, well, of, of visual art at that time. So I wanted to come here and, and teach with um, Mary Erickson um, and Eldon Catter, who have, you know, since gone, you know, Eldon retired and Mary went to uh, Arizona State University. But those were the, that's what drew me to Kutztown. And then we did, we started doing curriculum together We and we you know, we worked together as a team, and then um, Eldon and I wrote the. When I I I was working on, uh, I was out in California for a year at the Getty as a visiting scholar, and um, I was asked to write the curriculum for the middle school textbook series for Davis Publications. And I said I would do that if I could get Eldon to do it with me because I don't like to do things. I like I like a, a collaboration. Same, so, yeah. Um, he and I wrote the first middle school textbook series for for Davis. It was a three three book series, and um, 
And then I've just been doing that ever since. Then it turned out that I did the the elementary series for them. Um, And then I've done the, and now right now, as we speak, I'm in the, I'm working on the third edition of the middle school program. Um, Working like 60 hour weeks here, sitting at this. Oh gosh. Oh gosh, Marilyn. Well, thank you for sitting a little longer for us for Zoom. I really appreciate it. I know how that can be really tough when you're sitting so long on the computer. Yeah. Well, um, I see <laughs> I, I wander around to the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it, the trouble with working from home, right? Yeah, right. Like I have to work in the attic just so I stay away from the kitchen. <laughs> like <laughs> I understand that. So um, that's, yeah. So anyway, that's, incredible. That, that's my curriculum, and 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 then I, you know, I I do a lot with um, those things have led me then to be asked to do other things like. I was on the national, uh, the standards, writing the team that wrote the national standards. And um, I do all this curriculum work for Craft in America and yes. other, other, other places. So, yeah. That is a mentor, I think, you know, a mentor and the thrill and, and sort of the satisfaction of working with others that really. Yes. Does. Yeah. And I think that's what makes you such a great um, educator as far as I'm concerned, teaching other educators, you know, because it's like, uh, I took a bunch of classes with you in my time. But then actually, after I switched to communication design, I did Crafts in America in the summer. And it was right before it was right before the Folk Fest. It was literally like the same Friday, it was like an overlap, or, or something like that. But that was an incredible experience. That was so, so much fun. And um, it was just, it was such an incredible experience and Randy and um, I can't remember Randy's last name ever, but I got a chance to work with him. Oh, Randy. What was Randy's uh, last name? Dar- Darwell. Uh, Darwell. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Brian, Brian yeah. Murphy, right? Yes. I yes. always remember the Murphy and I can never remember yeah, yeah. Randy's last name, but that class was incredible for me. I really enjoyed that class a lot. And, um, and we found it, you the next, when Carol, we visited the yes. festival. We found you at your booth. That's right. Yes. That was so, so cool. That was actually my first year doing it. And you, you all were a group that came in one of the first, one of the first days. And it was so neat to have y'all be there and visit. Um, and I remember I had my, um, my typographic Schnitta on, on display. And it was, it was like really cool. Uh, it was such a cool experience being at Kutztown. I did some really, really fantastic work of my own that I always look at fondly. And I think about the work of pushing myself in so many ways. And then also finally getting a hold of the executive functioning struggles, which is all like wonderful things that happened to me there. And it was just, it's hard to be away from there because it was such a nice safety net, you know? And it was, it was so many very, very, very supportive um, educators and always treated us with a lot of respect. Like we were, you know, almost like colleagues, which was really, really nice. And um, so I have so many wonderful things to say about the art ed program and all of the professors there. And I was sad that, um, you know, maybe someday I'll, I don't know. It was, it was a really cool program. I just, I needed some more, you know, I had gone to Tyler for a BS in art ed and didn't really get the fine art experience that I needed. And it really helped my, my career as a whole to learn all of the programs I needed to learn. But it was a great experience. I loved our school and I loved the heritage too. Like you mentioned about how it was the first art education program. And I think, was it the first teacher's school as well? Right. Wasn't it? I think so. College? No, it was yeah. no, Oh no. It wasn't the first. No, but it was, you know, but it, you know, it goes way back, but um, yeah, it's old. But <laughs> it's what, the, 
thing that was, it was only a teacher's college. And so it yes. was a normal school. And so, and, 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 and I finally learned what that means, something about the norms, teaching norms. It's kind of like what, how we use the term standards today. So okay. it's like learn the standards. It's like you go to school to learn the standards, like what do people have to learn? And so you get right, the, right. the normal school. And so we have normal avenue in um, yes. um, but yeah, so I didn't know that either, but my, I found out my aunt who I, I adored, um, went to a normal school as well, but anyway, yeah, so it was the first normal school and as a normal school, the only thing it did, you know, the only thing that happened at Kutztown normal school was the preparation of teachers. And so, um, the, uh, art department such as it was, was art education from the get-go. Right, so it was, right. Because all the the art department was always about preparing teachers, and mm -hmm. and here is the art classes that teachers will take, and then that was in the eighteen hundreds, um, and so all the teachers who would were you know then scattered around all this area in these wonderful one room schoolhouses that we go by and say yeah. that was a schoolhouse, that was a schoolhouse, um, mm -hmm. and imagine the little kids coming. I love that. I just uh, yeah. And um, but anyway, so those teachers were all prepared like at places like Kutztown Normal School, and um, and they were doing they were teaching everything. But then eventually, mm -hmm. um, what happened was the um, I, I'm you know it, it it the person who came and I guess art became increasingly important, and they and separated out as a special um, sort of area of study. And mm -hmm. in 1929, Kutztown um, state college at the time, um, put forward a proposal for, um, a bachelor, uh, bachelor of arts or bachelor of science. I think it was bachelor of science in art education that then got approved at the state level in 1929. It was the first one in the nation. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I it had is, no idea. Yeah. That was very cool. It was, it, 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 and, and reading of that history is just, it's so interesting to me and I'd, I'd love to, you know, do more once I stop, you know, writing curriculum. Um, the, the other thing just on, on that is, um, and also what happened as a result then, so it became a kind of hub for art education on the, on the East coast here. There are people in New mm -hmm. Jersey and New York and, and, um, down in Philadelphia, of course, and, uh, just in this mid Atlantic area, um, it became, uh, these people got to know each other who, the people mm -hmm. who were at these places like Kutztown who were, um, and also people who were supervisors of art. So there were in, in the state department or in a, in a, in a, uh, a city, there might be a supervisor of art education, um, there or director of art or something like that in the district. And, um, those people began to know each other and then they talked with one another about, you know, well, what should we, what should we have in our programs preparing art teachers Right. And, um, the more they did that, they'd have conferences and so on. Well, they started the um, Eastern um, Region or the Eastern Arts Association, which was the first association that then became the National Art Education Associ Association. Oh, wow. And the first office at the at the first office for the National Art Education Association, which is, you know, I mean, I just was on a Zoom today planning a uh, presentation that I'm doing for that next week um, is uh, the National Art Education Association is huge now, but it began at Kutztown and the office, the original offices were at Kutztown. Wow. Yeah. And I then there was one other thing is that. Um, That's so cool. What's his name? Um, 
Italio De Francesco. Yes. My yeah. man, I love him. I mean, I mean, so here he is, you know, a president of, yes. of, of the university who was an art educator. Does that happen? Yes. No, it doesn't. I love him so much. I got to show you something that was given to me, and I was blown away. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Marilyn. <laughs> this is his, oh, the light, sorry. It's a workbook that he did. It's a um, design motif of the Pennsylvania German Teachers <coughs> College of Kutztown. It's it's so incredible. Oh wow! It, yeah, and uh, this was given to me by um a professor of Pennsylvania Dutch Studies at Kutztown. Ed Quinter. This was from. I'm trying to look for the year, but you should see these. I mean, they're incredible. Look, it's like all of these kind of similar to um in the 50s. They would put out oh, these right. books. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh! It's incredible. It is incredible. He actually helped start as well um, the Burks, the Reading Burks Guild of Craftsmen as well over there. Wow. Uh, oh, this thing is so cool. And then it has, um, you know, and just the time, oh, 1947, just the era of this publication. It is so incredible. I love this. Oh my gosh. This is so, I'm so cool. I'm glad you got is, that. That's so perfect for you. I and I'm know. so glad that somebody got to give it to you. I can't. It was serendipitous. It happened to me at an Allentown event. Um, it was not Bill Donner, but Bill Donner also shared something very cool with me when I was working on thesis. And he was a really great help as well. But this man just handed this to me and said, you could use this more than I can. And I was just like, Okay, D. Francesco, you and I, like, we would have been able to sit at the table and have a really good time because he's clearly, um, he just embraced it so much. And, so you know, he gave was me the very, whole book. Was he this, gave me the whole workbook. Yeah, I so just, I put know it. Where, do you know if there's another copy of that at the, in the library? I don't know, but I should find out because it should be, like, archived. I put it into this binder because I was very concerned it would get destroyed uh -huh. it was not in great shape when he handed it to me and I was kind of like are you sure you want to give this to me um so I have it in this oh this is the thing that Bill Donner showed me um he let me borrow this really old book oh, of self screens right. oh, um right. and and I was able to scan those and just even the cover like it's just amazing this whole mid-century time it's in well, the red clay there you got it right there yeah. yeah and it was like it was a portfolio of silk screen prints and it was an index of American design the National Gallery of Art and it's just, it's just so incredible. Even the, like, the way oh, he wrote it. Exactly. Yeah. And That's you know a great what? idea. Uh, I need to get that guy, over to the um, library. John White, you know, I don't, do you remember? Yes, you I love John White. Yes. Well, I never so had John him as a professor, a, but I adore he him. He loves the history of art education. And he had a, um, he looked at uh, um, Pedro DeLemos, who uh, was in San Francisco at Stanford and ran the gallery there, but he was an art educator and he was interested in folk art and folk culture. And, and he was the editor of, um, school arts. And so he oh. would put those kinds of pieces, just like what you're showing me. Yeah. Those kinds of, if you go back to the old school arts magazines back yes. in, back in those days, back in the forties and the thirties, the forties, the fifties, that was, um, Pedro, yeah. Um, Though he had, you know, he would put pages in the magazine with hand printing like that, just and, wow. and, and he was interested in like, um, you know, like he would go to Mexico and, and, and look at the Mexican folk art. And then he would go to Italy and look at like the folk art in Sicily or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah. 
but um, like so a real survey, I think, in art education at the time. So it, it's consistent yeah. around those same it, years where some people were looking at folk traditions as yeah. opposed to, you know, the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of cool, too, because it's like all of the writers and, and this lady, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, Frances, Frances Lichten. She was really. Point. Yeah, she was really big time, too. Um, and. And I think she was at the PMA working, but she made like templates so that you could recreate the art. So this was all around the same time, which it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, it always kind of boggled my mind that, you know, we have the Pennsylvania German studies and we have the language studies at Kutztown, but I always really wanted so badly that they would have like a folk art, even just a class, like one class, even within the Pennsylvania German studies. But it was kind of sad because I, I was it when you were retiring, Marilyn, somebody had a bunch of really cool books out and I forget, it might not have been you, but I know one of my professors told me to go down and check it out and there was some really cool stuff, but you know, you know, people don't have much room. You, you have only a certain amount of room, right? So things have to get shifted, but this was such a gift and it was literally like a folder. I will have to reach out to the um, library. I would, I would be happy to, um, somehow get this you know to them because more people should be able to see this but he literally oh, handed me I this see. folder oh my goodness that is so wonderful yeah and I wonder if it was only just for the people at the school I really don't know anything about it but um was it published do you think or what is it well it says here um Prang Company Publishers oh, yeah. uh, Sandusky, Ohio, New York. Yeah. yeah. So it was published, but it was like kind of like a portfolio. I don't know if it was meant. I, I never really looked through the um, the forward, but I wonder if it was meant for art teachers. I don't know. A fresh Maybe. source. But and Prang, one of them, you know, Prang does art, it's, uh, art pencils and crayon type things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Prang, of course. <laughs> and, and, and also Prang did. You know, like the School Arts Magazine, um, I believe, er, you know, the early in the early days of School Arts Magazine was kind of like Prang. Um, I mean, it, yeah. they, it, they were just making little brochures for art teachers like this, like little little things you could use in your art class. Um, and I think yeah, it was, it's wild. Well, tell it's me about the name of that. What? what it, it's, oh, sure. Pennsylvania. It's called Design, Design Motif. And then it has a slash of the Pennsylvania German. And then, then it's called also, well, that's on the cover, but then it's called the art of the Pennsylvania German. Mm-hmm. The art of the Pennsylvania. That's so nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, but this, this cover is so cool. I mean, this yeah. whole era is like my jam. I just, yeah. this is my favorite mid-century. This is like a but I was, That's so wonderful. I know. You know, really, you know, to be an art, a, a president of a university and an art educator. I mean, that's I how valued um, art education has always been at Kutztown. So I hate to see, you yes. know, um, I, I worry that it's not going to always main, you know, have that. I think it will actually. I think it's everybody at the university knows that it's it has this long tradition. So I hope it doesn't. Well, I hope so too. I hope so too. And it's sad because when I went to Tyler, so I went to Tyler from 2007 to 2011 because um, I had done some work beforehand and I went part time. But when we were going, it was very intense to push cross curricular um, cross curricular curriculum. <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Because, yeah, um, because art ed was super on the chopping block at the time. And then I started teaching in 2012 and it was like, 
pretty scary. I mean, well, you know, I was in Philadelphia school district, which is a whole nother can of worms, but we were constantly being shifted and moved around. And then we'd be put in a position that was supposedly for art because that's what they were allowed to hire someone for, but really they needed a seventh grade teacher. So it's like all these really weird experiences. And I just remember it totally turned me off and it almost, uh, I had to like recover from it. And which was nice that I had that time at grad school to recover from it. And then kind of with Lisa Kay's words in mind and, and the help of you and other professors at Kutztown, just think of redesign the way that I feel I can be beneficial because I love to teach and I love art, but the two weren't coming together in the traditional way for me, at least. Um, so I wanted to tell you, speaking of little one room schoolhouses, now I teach at a Montessori school, which is very, very reminiscent of that experience of a one-room schoolhouse and collaborative education and different um, levels teaching each other and kids that are supposedly a first grader being able to work at different levels, you know, and all that good stuff. And I just love it so much. I wonder, and you'd be a good person to ask how we can take sort of her ideas and, you know, not hold them as gospel so much as some Montessori schools do, but put them into practice in a, in a modern context. What are your thoughts on her? I'd be so curious because I wasn't so, I didn't know much about her when I was in school with you. And I just, I adore her so much. So, well, you know, um, I don't, I'm not a Maria Montessori expert either. I, you know, I, I, and I've never really studied it. I just know probably, you know, from talking to people and I've never even, I have observed in a Montessori classroom just for, but just once and just, and, and that was a while back. And a, a dear friend of mine was teaching there. And, um, but I, I have another friend, uh, Kathy Topal. I don't know. She's um, T-O-P-A-L. And Kathy, uh, with, a, with a K, uh, okay. writes, uh, she writes for, um, she, she teaches in the lab school of Smith oh. College okay. up in Massachusetts. And she, she has always taught the, you know, it, uh, early childhood. And, um, and her approach is really, um, more Reggio Emilia. So Reggio Emilia is actually, you know, a town and, um, but the approach is, is very much, um, it's about discovery and it's about, but it's, but it's also clearly, um, it's, you know, it's called kids are on, on their own and they're collaborating and, but they're engaged in kind of research. I think Maria Montessori may be a little bit more, um, uh, regimented than yeah. um, than the Reggio Emilia approach, although I don't know, but I did have a student who actually did compare the two, and she you know she oh, went cool. and observed at, and, and for her master's thesis. Not that I can find that right now. <laughs> 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 like I, but, but you know that that was her interest too, as she wanted to compare, That's and she cool. went to observe and talk to the teachers and observe the kids and all that. But I mean, there I I will say for the Reggio Emilia approach for sure. There's a, a certain level of play and the idea yeah. of, of, exp- of of experimenting with materials and 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 sort of making decisions about you know where you're going to go next and, and but having a, a teacher that sort of helps you make those you know sort of markers you know so that it's not just you're it's free for all right but, but that they're you know you get help kind of bringing it together to for for learning. Um, and I know that there are uh, a lot of art teachers who are trying have have been trying to figure out how do you 
add that element into, you know, and of course with art, yeah. it's always this, the problem in, in traditional public schools, of course, and, and, and most private too, is that it's only just a, a small period of uh, time right. every week, you know, so maybe you've got 48 minutes with 36 yeah. kids to, to do a week you know, to do something. And then, and then I always think of, I have such enormous respect and regard for the teachers who, who, despite those incredible restrictions on, you know, the, the time and, 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 you mm. know, just what you can possibly do manage to somehow want to infuse those classes with, with, you know, good ideas for, you know, that we've learned about, you know, having kids express themselves through play and all that, you know, you think, oh my gosh, on, on top of this incredible schedule, you've got, you're going to try to even do that, you know, so yeah, I, I've met hundreds and hundreds of teachers who, despite all odds, figure out how to, you know, do that with their classes. Amazing. But anyway, so, but I do think that what's happened just in terms of art education, that 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 sort of impetus has resulted mm -hmm. in what is these days one of the new newer directions, um, at least that's out there in art education, and it's called um, choice-based art education. Yes, yes. So, um, and uh, teaching artistic behavior tab is 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 one group that's associated with that. And it, yeah. you know, I I I totally um, support the the notions behind that. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. Now, there's just some things that get left out in the process, but, but that's, yeah. um, I have certain concerns about it, but I, but I do, yeah. I, I know what the impetus is and which I adore, you know? So. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's also tricky, you know, because then there was the bank school who you don't show any kind of sample. And then some of the kids, depending on who you're teaching, like I teach three to sixth grade. So preschool to sixth grade. And it's like, very concrete learners at the time and they need sometimes a sample. So it's, it's really interesting. And, and I also, again, keep, keep all this in mind, but realize that you also meet the students where they are. And I, and I did end up doing choice-based um, art ed at Philly because I just really didn't have a choice because they had no background for some of them. I was walking into like fourth through eighth grade and they had never had art education before. So as part of a, like a, classroom um management I had to meet them where they were and where their interests were and then we kind of like built upon that but I didn't have a lot of time either then the school ended up closing it was just like a whole lot of things all at once but my heart is always aching for them because I feel like I kind of abandoned the group that I felt I was meant to work with but you know there's always going back and working in um those kinds of schools again in the future so I have a lot of hope that I'll end up landing back in it more involved in art education because it is my go. passion. That's right. Yeah, you don't, right? I also use a lot of community arts um, practices as well in my little school. <laughs> and I have the benefit of having it once a week. So I have a lot of time to plan. <laughs> How long is this session? We try and beautify. How long do you have? Um, we have 45 minutes which with each. 45. So I have um, the preschool group comes all at once, which is a lot of kids, um, probably about 20 and then I have pre-K, which is a smaller group, probably about 17. And then the kindergartners are much smaller. It's like 10 and they're just, they're my favorite. And then I have elementary, which would be first through sixth grade. And that's about, well, right now, I think their numbers are up to about 11, I think. So it's a really nice small group. 
it's, it's, it's my joy. I love it so much. My goal this year has been really, um, stepping back a little bit and doing a lot of big life journal prompted, um, art experiences for them and really focusing on it as a therapeutic, uh, because of all of the things that are happening. So we've kind of stepped back a bit from, are you going to school these days? Are you actually teaching? I'm actually not because I'm terrified of COVID. So she's also let me do it um, remotely. But I did get the first round of vaccine through my school district that I sub for, which is the public school district. So I have my 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 hands are in a lot of pots, Duran. Glad you um, got I was, the first spot. That's great. I did too. Oh my gosh, Marilyn! I was so relieved. I actually sobbed when they sent me the email because I thought it was like never going to happen. You know, because it was really not looking good, and it's still not looking good for a lot of people. And I was beyond grateful because I, I really miss being in the classroom and I did a good solid like seven months really did really well and then I just hit a wall at like Christmas and got really isolated and felt you know this is something that's really you know changing who I am not being able to teach and so I've been doing it remotely but I'm hoping to get back in in the spring hopefully right after the second shot if they can secure the second shot which is <laughs> currently a concern, but, um, I will hope to get back in and then we'll have our big end of year community exchange and, uh, drive through our show that we do. Um, so I'm really excited. I also did a lot of subbing there. So I was there a lot of, a lot of the time and I got really, I felt very much in love with the monastery method, particularly how this school uses it, you know, cause all, all schools can use it differently, but they do a really nice job. Um, so yeah, that's where I am with how that. I'm playing out in your class and your teaching. The Montessori method? Well, it's funny because you can learn two different ways. You can learn through immersion, like working at a school, which is how I've learned, or you can learn through going through all of the programs and all of the things, um, which ha- is how two of the teachers at our school learned. Um, I really use, I, I've i researched a lot with other art educators that use the Montessori method, and it's really all about a process-based art, basically. Um, it's a lot about the process very, very, very strong in process. So, and using the materials and really, um, just completely surrendering to the material and letting the kids like free, free association and free expression, which is very anti (laughs) to the way the previous art teacher was doing things. She was excellent, but it was just very different. And I've really, um, leaned into that and um, my first year I focused, I kind of came up with a theme and again, my head of school is amazing. She's just like, do whatever you'd like. So I said, well, let's do a theme because they work in three year cycles. So their elementary room one year, it'll be Pennsylvania. The next year it'll be the United States. And the next year it'll be the world. So, you know, from the time period that I was going to school, as you know, it was, um, a lot of focus on multicultural education and making sure we expose kids to all different kinds of art. So that's always also playing in my head. So I thought of it as like a three-year cycle. So last year I did Pennsylvania and it was like folk art based, but like modern interpretations. Um, And then this year I was going to do like United States. And I actually have touched on a bunch of people, which has been really cool. I did Keith Haring. I did, um, oh, why am I blanking on his name? The guy who was really friendly with Andy Warhol. Starts with a B. Oh, yes. Basquiat. Basquiat. I I just absolutely adore him and the free association and the psychology of all that. Um, we did Kara Walker. I was a little worried if they went down the rabbit hole with any of the artists that I'm bringing up, you could see lots of things, right? But I was really excited. She was very supportive of Kara Walker um, and and also Basquiat and also Keith Haring because I didn't even know if some of the Keith Haring stuff is out, which I, it's 
of course, love, but you know, it's not really great for four-year-olds, I guess. Right, but yeah, so yeah, I can't have that issue because in my books, you know, I, I mean, all these artists. Sure, and, sure, uh, of course. Be very careful. The other day there was somebody. Yes. I was one hundred percent. We were focusing but, on an art teacher, and and I went <laughs> in the career section. And this art teacher had, um, we got a picture of her in her, she was teaching with Zoom. And, yeah. um, and so I was all excited about the picture. And then I looked and, <laughs> looked and looked and all of a sudden I realized that she had all these little Venus figurines on the back, you know, these little naked <laughs> women yes. bodies on, on the shelf behind her head. And I went, how am I going to have to Photoshop that out of there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, trust me. Yes, yeah, she do. So I ended up being able to teach some stuff, um, some some artists from here, but uh, yeah, like we did drawing with scissors and stuff. So it's not, it's, it's really not a restrictive Montessori only, but I always kind of try and keep that in my mind that she was very much of community and, and being uh, serving your community and also like super into kindness and compassion. And of course the first group of people that she worked with um, were special needs kids. So that always, you know, was kind of my, my people. So and now I have my own little friend. My my son is on the spectrum, so it's like very full circle for me. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> all, okay. all of the things that Lisa and I talked about. But so let me ask you a question, Marilyn, because I never actually know. I don't even know this answer. I don't know anything about this with you. Um, what is your favorite medium, and what is it that made you want to be an art teacher? What is the kind of art that you love to create? You know, I, I think what happened was, um, I mean, I've been, I've made art my whole life, you know, I mean, yeah. I started as a, you know, child, in fact, went to, um, when I was like in the, my parents had a, a, a friend who was a, an artist who had an art school downtown Cincinnati, William E. Gebhardt, and he had the William E. Gebhardt School of Art. And I, whenever he come to our house, I'd run and show him my artworks. And um, eventually, oh. he told my parents that I could come to his art school for free. Had they had children's le- on on Saturdays, um, if if they would get me there, and if they would pay for my supplies. And so, from third age of eight on, I took every single Saturday and through high school, and and then by high school I was driving and I went to night classes there. Um, but I, on a city bus, I went from the suburbs of eight years old. I, I think about my grandchildren. Wow. Like, oh my God, eight years old. I would get on a bus in, in Mount Washington, which was um, 45 minutes away from downtown Cincinnati and ride a city bus downtown Cincinnati by myself, get off, walk uh, at the at Governor Square, which is where the buses all let out and then walk two blocks over to this. Wow. It was, a and the art school was a two, two floors above a chili parlor and a chili parlor is like um in Cincinnati that's where it's like a diner that serves only chili it's it's oh wow it's a a big tradition in Cincinnati but anyway it's above a chili parlor and you went up two flights of steps and and then that's where the um lessons were anyway and but of course in the summer we would get into this woody a station wagon um with our easels and and they take us um up to yeah, you know, the old Woody, I don't know if you know that car, it was like an old, I don't know what that, like a Willie's Jeep, but it wasn't a Willie's Jeep, it was an old wood, wooden panels on the sides anyway, everybody knew it as a Woody, they had mm-hmm. one, and they would put the kids in the back with their easels and paint boxes and stuff, and take us up to Eden Park, where there was a view of the Ohio River going down by the, uh, the Cincinnati, anyway, we'd paint up there, and we'd paint in downtown Cincinnati, and, and you know, so anyway, I, I started at an early age and so did I made art all through um, school and high school and just, you know, and all the sets for 
theater and all the costumes and, you know, just, just all constant, just constant output. Yes. Um, <laughs> like you. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, and then um, I, I got a scholarship to Ohio state based on my portfolio. And, uh-huh. um, but then, and then, you know, and then when I started doing education, I really stopped. I just, yeah. stopped. I mean, I, I, I think the last, you know, I mean, in terms of, I think what happened was, um, you know, my creative outlet, they're, they're all over the place, but I'm not yeah. I don't use like a traditional, I, I don't make art in a traditional way at, at all anymore. And, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm even, even interested because I think all my creative stuff comes, it comes out of my, um, these materials that I create and the, the books that I, I create. I mean, that's that curriculum that I create. Sure. So it, it is, it's a, it's, it is, um, and I guess what one of the things is I've always, and I don't think this is true for other people, but for myself, I always felt like um, it felt too self-centered. If I, if I can mm. say, you know, it, it yeah. felt like I, I didn't want to be just spend my time doing this work. I, I don't want it to sound that way because I, I think a lot of people do make art, and, and I don't think it's about them. All you know, but for myself, I felt like I guess I, I felt like in terms of my purpose in life I yeah. felt like I was reaching more people yeah. um, with the curriculum work and so you know the creativity comes out in little things I do I mean um, sure you know around the, you know, the the house and the garden and you know the uh that kind of thing so um, well that's a great segue <laughs> yes because I was going to ask you about your property, but really quick, I just wanted to say, I always talk about it and I know what you mean. The ego part really gets to me because I, I think I'm like a very highly sensitive person. I'm always thinking about the bigger picture and other people. And I think that's why I always need to have a foot in art education because I need to be giving back and paying yeah. forward and that whole cycle. And also, um, I always talk about this and I just had an interview with my friend, Doug, whose wife is an art teacher and like the creative process. He said, why is it so important for you to teach your kids the creative process? And I said, because you can tackle anything with the creative process, right? So when you're designing curriculum and tackling curriculum and things that need to be um, remedied or changed or pivoted, that's all within the creative process and the problem solving that you learned as an eight-year-old girl, you know, because you're tackling all of these things, um, the same way that you would tackle a big project. And I, and I totally agree with that. And I think there's many different ways in being a creative person and it doesn't necessarily skills a a lot. Sure. Sure. You know, just design skills and, and, um, you know, if I have to whip up a sign or whatever, Sure. (laughs) when they stole our, um, when they stole our, our, um, stop the hate a sign or something like that when they stole it from where I went out I immediately put another one up you know so so it's like and and Deb was like my god you just like yeah well you know so (laughs) I'm even planning stuff for the my grandchildren you know that people come around we have parties and you know with the kids stuff you know so there's the art your parties are the best (laughs) your parties are the best I did want to ask you really quickly. I know we're going a little bit over, but I did want to ask you about um, where you live and your land and the connectedness to your land and your, your home has a really cool story and your home is such a cool home, but um, especially your land. I read a lot and, and I'm really involved in this idea of place and um, your, your home 
that you share with Deb. Uh, it's so magical and such an incredible home. And you guys have incredible artwork and incredible parties. And it's just such a warm place to be. Oh, and even the you. colors, it's just, whenever we pass it, we say, hello, <laughs> you know, we're always waving to you guys. Um, you. And I just wanted to know, you know, as, as much as you want to expand on that, just about how you feel about your home, because I know you're also kind of in a, an area that may be um, tumultuous for you at the moment with everything being so divisive as it is, um, like you mentioned about your sign, but uh, your, your home is very beautiful. So, well, thank you. Yes. Well, I have to say that we took one, you know, I used to drive down Forgedale road. Um, I, you know, people would come in on a bus, a Bieber bus to, from New York city, like an art, a visiting artist or whatever. I'd put them in the car and say, let me drive you around the area. And I would always take <laughs> them down this road because it's such a beautiful road. Yes. And, um, and when, when the realtor said there's a house um, on that road, um, I said, no. And she said, it's a Victorian. And I said, there are no Victorian houses on that road. And then it turned out that, and, and when we pulled up, I said, I, I know every house on that road. I can guarantee you there's no Victorian house on that road. And <laughs> pulled up, I went, oh my gosh. You know, then I realized that what had happened is, is, is right near a stop sign. And so right. I was supervising student teachers in Boyertown. This is how I found this road. And I used to come running down this road. Yeah. And I go through the stop sign like everybody else does. And right. panic. And like, oh my God, I went through that stop sign again. And then, <laughs> so I never saw the house on the on because I couldn't look because I was panicking about going through the stop sign. And then on the way back, there were these different levels of roofs down here. And I would I would drive, I'd try to see what the roofs were. So I never saw the house because I was looking at the property. So right. um anyway, so when we came here, we took about three steps onto the property and and because the, the realtor said says it has a waterfall on it. And I thought, what are, what? And so we got <laughs> three steps on the property. We just thought, what is that? Would that be ours? You know, we pointed to this yeah. gorgeous waterfall. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, that's on the property. Well, anyway, we, we walked all over the property. I mean, we walked, you know, back to the creek and, and you mm -hmm. know, we went down. I mean, we just were all over it before we even walked in. And we, and we knew we were buying it before we even entered the house. Wow. And, um, so when we entered the house, it was, you know, it was fine. We, you know, somebody had, had painted the walls and, you know, had actually redone the little kitchen and so on. But we knew that we were going to eventually make it, you know, we could do anything to the house. It was the, the sure. land. It was so incredible. So, yeah, yeah we, um, and then we had a friend who came by and said, we wanted him to take a look at it. And he said, the only, there's only one problem with this piece of property. Mm. Uh, really? What is it? You have to leave it you know, get up in the morning and go to work. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that's sort of been our, that, that has been, you know, how we feel about it. And so it's all, you know, even when we built the addition, we put a huge porch on the back with screens and so that we could enjoy, you know, looking out and enjoying the property all the time. And we put French doors in the in upstairs bedroom because there was no, there was no window there to look out and see all this beauty. Anyway. So, but we also feel very strongly that we are, um, you know, we're temporary here, you know, this, and, and so we're just caretakers and, um, mm -hmm. we're trying to make it beautiful and, um, and keep it from, you know, um, you know, just kind of well, taking care of it and, and we, yes. and we want to share it. So that's the other thing. So, you know, for years, uh, young, uh, Mennonite 
women on on Sundays when you know in this in good weather would be out with their um, you know just out and about with their bikes and and horses. Yeah. And they would stop and use it as a, you know, and and just, and just go right down without even asking, which we didn't care. You know, we didn't mind at all. We loved that idea that Mm -hmm. this idea that the land is here. Oh, look, let's go down here to the water. And, you know, eventually, you know, we would chat and things like that. But um, the fact that um, they, I, I, we loved that. We sort of borrowed that attitude, which was it's, it's everybody's, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we love it. And it's, it is beautiful. And it is a very special place. I mean, just to have, um, so the gazebo that's there now, you know, is special because, you know, you can go there and listen to the waterfall and mm-hmm. um, have these sort of wonderful moments out there. Yeah. And, um, and just sitting by the creek up, up on the upper side, although I have to say the the flooding this year really devastated and we lost our bridge, which was, it's going to be, mm. going to be rebuilt. Um, as soon as the weather breaks, I just got the uh, the email from the guy who's going to rebuild it, who built the, who replaced, there was a bridge that was over a hundred years old that went across the, the creek um, and about like 52 feet and up 20 feet and all that. I mean, it was a huge bridge. And wow. um, when it fell, when it, it, a tree fell on it and it just mm-hmm. ruined it. So he had, he had replaced it anyway. He had, re- he had, replaced the original bridge and then the bridge that he built for us in 2004 just got destroyed by a tree and so we're going to rebuild that and um, do some more work up on the upper end because we're going to have a wedding here in the summer not uh, one of um, you know a couple who asked if they could be married here so we said yes we're hoping that it's a spreader event (laughs) hope that everybody oh my gosh I know right it's, yeah. it's a wild so, time these days. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for asking about that, you know, because it is. Yeah. You know, and it, it is the reason why, you know, people talk about retiring to another place, you know. It's right. Like, why would you leave here? You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, I've been reading a lot about place and and connectedness to place. And, and I just keep thinking of you two and, and your place and and just seeing the things that you share as well. and um, it's such a special, special place. And I can just imagine, you know, how that felt the first time we saw it, you know, yeah. and it's neat. Cause you're, you're both very great stewards of that land and we're, we're very That's grateful cool. for that. Yep. Um, I mean, I, what is the Creek that you're on? Is that Bieber? Yes, it is. And, okay. Um, and, and we're not, you know, the other thing is, is that we're not as, I wish I was a little better at doing the research to find out more about it. I know a little bit about the house and of the property and, you know, its history. And of course, I'm always looking for, you know, more information, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know that this house actually served as a post office for yes. a while. You and, told me that. That's so cool. You know, there, there's some things, you know, in my, in my office now, we think was probably the first sh- ha- uh, shop. It was like an implement shop at one point, wow. it was a little stone cottage built into the wall. And that's, I mean, I, I, I adore that office space. And I mean, when I think about what it looked like when we first moved in, it was just a mess mm-hmm. but, um, Yeah. over time and, and, and inspiration from visits to Ireland, Ireland have done mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of um, uh, shaped the way that has turned out anyway. So, wow, that's really cool. I had no idea. That's really neat. Have you heard of Sharon Blackie at all? No. Oh gosh. She's a really cool author. Um, I've been reading so much of her stuff. Uh, 
Is she the one who's writing that place? Yeah, and I'm completely obsessed with it right now um, because I'm half Pennsylvania Dutch and half Welsh, and she does a lot of work with um, the like pre-Christian um, mythology of of the Celtic people, oh, and wow. and yeah, oh so my wacky. gosh, Marilyn. Sharon Blackie, it's B-L-A-C-K-I-E. Oh. And I know you don't have much time on your plate, but I highly recommend it. It's especially um, the first book I read was If Women Rose Rooted. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because it it talks a lot about, um, and this is something that was very profound for me, uh, feeling unsafe in open spaces. Like if you've ever had an experience, like you're at a park, a lot of women can identify with this, especially like runners have had these horrible experiences. And this idea that you're kind of um, more susceptible to uh, random acts of violence or something. There's a whole story in there and a whole portion of that. And she also tells her story along with the myths, which I think is a nice weaving, but it was incredible. And it actually opened my heart to like re- re-examining um, my openness to open space and wanting to reconnect with that because it always was very into nature and of any kind. And I grew up in a little town that so wasn't like much of it, but, um, and I connected to it a lot as a kid, but then I wondered, well, what happened to that? And things like that, like trauma is not, not super profound, but enough to make you feel um, afraid. But anyway, so I highly recommend uh, If Women Rose Rooted. And now I'm reading um, The Enchanted Life and it's about living a life um, like, uh, seeing the magic in nature and, and all the things, and your property certainly has that, um, element. It's very, very palpably magical land. And, yeah. you know, you almost feel, I always say of Oli and Steinsville, oh, it's yeah. the ancestral land and it feels, you can feel the energy of the ancestors, like holding you, mm-hmm. like, it's almost like this huge hug of the atmosphere. Right. So even in your area, like it must certainly feel like that that there's this, and it's not even, even knowing the history of the home and everything, but just knowing that you can feel this energy from your land. And it's very cool. And having visited your land, it's certainly there. And I, I wanted to ask you about that because it's currently my complete obsession. <laughs> well, you know, there's two things I want to say. One is that um, it's interesting that you're interested in place because my, the next, you know, the, my, um, the chapters in this book that I'm working on is, uh, are, you know, the one is, uh, messages. The next is, mm. um, daily life and the other, and the mm. next is, um, nature. And then the one that I just finished is identity, but the one I'm just working on, just starting to work on, I can't wait to get started. It's just that I have yes. putting on the end and, you know, kind of finishing t- touches on the, the last for the identity piece. Um, but this is, um, place. And so I can't wait to get started on it. I mean, I've done another, you know, so I have another unit chapter in another book on place. Um, But I've been thinking about place as a, as a result. And it's interesting. I was, what you said about Oli, because I I thought, Mm. I said this to Deb the other day, we were driving, you know, a little, little drive and a little get, get out of the, yeah, (laughs) a little staycation in the neighborhood, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just to get out of the house. Yes. Anyway, we so we were driving around, and I and we were driving around in other parts of mm. uh, this of Berks County, which mm-hmm. you know I've had people come visit here and say things like, "This is the most well kept secret ever, Berks County," and I feel yes. that. But um, but particularly down here in this in, in the Oli Valley, in particular, mm-hmm. which is where I walk, and I walk with my dogs throughout different places all over the Oli Valley, and I and I thought to myself, you know, if I had not Oh, I know where we were. We were over like in Shillington or, you know, we're lovely places and they all have their history. Yes. And all that. 
it was more like a neighborhood. And there were houses mm -hmm. over there that, you know, I could have ended up in. I mean, I said I ended up in the Hottenstein house for 10 years and, and then this house. Um, but I, I could have ended up in, in one of those, you know, West Reading or, you know, where, you know, someplace over there. Mm -hmm. And and it would have been a very different experience, my different different yeah. way of connecting to where I'd landed. But mm -hmm. because I landed at the Hottenstein house first for 10 years in that incredible home, and then here, and then this, this, with the proximity to the Ole Valley, yeah. my my time in Pennsylvania is very special. And it's not mm -hmm. like as if it would have been if I'd moved into one of those suburbs out there. You know, it, this mm -hmm. is just... I'm really connected to the history of this place. And, 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 you know, you just, you can't go through the Ole Valley and not be. Right. I just don't, yeah. I don't understand how anybody would drive through there and not feel some sort of, you know, like, Oh my gosh, this really is yeah. amazing. You know, this is where, yeah. And I'm just so thrilled that somebody, you know, had the foresight and the tenacity to get the Valley on the historic registry. I mean, yes. otherwise it would be full of little, you know, suburbs. Yes. Nothing against <laughs> yes, they <them>. would. <laughs> no, I understand what you mean. My mom just built a house in one of those little communities. So <laughs> in Gilbertsville, which used to be all farmland. It's very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, agreed a hundred percent. And I'm so glad that that we had that moment to talk about it because I just remember feeling it so much in your home. And awesome. uh, even one of the parties we parked up really, really high on the one road. Yeah. And just even the walk down, I mean, it's just an incredible place. I actually have a picture of Randy from when we had our like end of Craft in America celebration. He was sitting out in the front at the very top of your driveway on, um, I guess, the stones or whatever. And I, I took a picture of him and he was just, he was, a, he was a wonderful person. I had a very short time with him, but we really enjoyed um, each other very much. And so... That's a nice memory for me. Um, that experience was very, very cool. So Marilyn, thank you so much. You're it welcome. has been fun so thing. much I'm fun. <laughs> I am so I thankful. And I know for dinner or anything. Just, yeah, you're, you're so, you're such a busy person and for you to carve this time out means a lot to me. Um, I really appreciate it. I did just want to say one more thing. <laughs> I want to, one more thing about your home is that you have a whole room that's your Pennsylvania Dutch room. <laughs> Right. I almost was going to, I actually was going to almost move this thing. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have this little meeting with Rachel. I ought to be in that room, you know? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Well, I your remember stuff you is in of, there. Oh, is it? Oh, that's so exciting. I remember you kind of told me like, oh yeah, I have a Pennsylvania tree in my house. And you're like, wait a second. And I remember when I came to your house, I just had to take it all in because it's so cool. And I forget, I know that the, the colors in there too are, are very, very nice and and, and it just, I had to like, just soak the whole thing in. I, I don't know why Navy's coming into my head, but it's probably totally off. But I remember it being a very, um, it, it's a not a light olive, color. Kind of a, a dark olive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's a dark color. I remember it yeah. being like a darker color and this feeling of, whoa, and it was just really neat. And so the thing that this whole project is sort of morphing into is like I mentioned before, the, um, intersections of these different identities of myself and which actually is always coming back full circle because I made a piece when I first started working with you with all of the different identities yeah. that I had. And I always think about that. And I always think of how um, Deb especially honors that part of her familiar, his, familiar history. And, and also you had shared a lot about Chicago and how a lot of places in Chicago, uh, the names had been changed and stuff like that. And so there's so much there, more that we could talk about, but yeah. I just wanted to do a little nod to you all. And thank you very much for sharing that with me. So for honoring these parts of us that sometimes have um, 
some lesser uh, appealing or certainly um, uh, toxic uh, toxic elements to them. Um, so um, and yeah. finding a way a way to navigate through that and still hold on to the parts that are are we get to own and we're allowed to also keep sacred. So. Oh, very very good. All of the things. You know, you should know that I just, I <laughs> Thank think. Thank you very you, much, Marilyn. Um, you're welcome. And I just want to say one more thing, tell you that every, I, you know, when you sure. borrow the iron. So every time I go downstairs, yes! <laughs> you know, I told you I have the irons of, above the washing machine. I never look at those irons. So we have this other kind of connection because I never look at those irons. I never go down to wash, but I don't look at the irons. And then when I look at the irons, I always think of you. So. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. That's so funny, oh, that's yeah. an honor. That's that's so funny because when I was very young, I think it was first in college, I remember a piece that I had to dissect and take apart, a writing piece called I Stand Here Ironing. I think uh, it was about a mother. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was really powerful to me. I remember that that meant a lot to me, that piece, and I really wow. ate wow. that up. So the word is very powerful for sure. Um, so thank you, Marilyn, and, and very many blessings and well wishes to you and Deb and Give her my best, and I can't wait to see you again in person. I know we will someday. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yes, for sure. All right, you take care and have a great weekend. Thank you very much. 